Christmas season is upon us. Can you believe it? We're going to start a series this week, and it's great to be back. I loved Missions Month and hearing uh, what God is doing around the world uh, through some of our missionary partners. And if you missed that, you missed out. We heard of how we can give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus and why it's so important to know those reasons why. We heard of the work God is doing from the Middle East, uh, north to China, and right here in Hong Kong, and how we can be involved. And at the core basis of all of that is this simple truth, that we are in between a period of hope that is already here and not yet fully fulfilled. What do I mean by that? Well, I want to start there. Jesus Christ already came to earth. He already lived fully God and fully man. He is still alive today, sitting at the right hand of God our Father who is in heaven. This we know to be true. But he's coming back. And while we wait on his glorious return that ushers in the new heaven and the new earth, brushers in the redemption of the way things were always created to be, we wait in a period of expectation. We wait in a continual period of Advent. Did you know that Advent essentially means that we're waiting? And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But often we feel like we're in seasons of waiting throughout any different number of circumstances in life. I was reminded this week of one of my favorite authors because he writes cookbooks. And uh, Jamie Oliver is a severe dyslexic. I don't know if you knew that. For five years of school, he was in special needs classes. And this young man that's now an adult, uh, I don't think was sitting there as a teenager going to the what were called the special ed classes. He wasn't in the regular school. He was separated from the normal kids. I don't think he thought to himself, someday this will all get better. That probably wasn't the first thought on his mind. Yet each day he put one foot in front of the other. And you know what? Today, he is the highest grossing and best-selling nonfiction author in Great Britain. A dyslexic. Now, yes, he writes cookbooks, but even more so, a a dyslexic that is able to manage measurements and numbers and and all that goes into writing those amazing recipes that my family loves. (laughs) Just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And moving forward. The position Israel and specifically Samaria found themselves in when Micah began to prophesy around 700 BC was much similar on a grander scale to what Jamie Oliver faced. You see, the people of Samaria found themselves where it didn't feel like hope was was coming. In fact, that the prophets wouldn't even ascribe to them a king. They wouldn't recognize the kings the Samaritans Samaritans had raised up because they weren't from the Lord. They weren't anointed by God himself. There was no more legitimate king. Yet in this time, God would send prophets like the prophet Micah 
who in chapter 4 would prophesy that hope and deliverance would come through an exiled time where they would be delivered into the hands of Babylon. This was a hundred years before the exile and yet Micah was given a word from the Lord that said, I'm going to deliver you out of the punishment and the trials that are under the arm of Sennacherib, an Assyrian king that is attacking them mercilessly and there's going to be hope. And even more, then you get into chapter 5 and you find this. And of course, let's see if things are going to work today. Yeah, there we go. Marshal your troops now. This is Micah chapter 5. If you want to open your Bibles, you can also follow along here in the screens. And this will be the content of our text today, though we'll touch on a few others. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. Lord, as we just ask three questions this morning in preparation for Advent, Would you soften our hearts and would you quicken our minds to your words? Please don't let me or any number of distractions get in the way of what you have for us today. In your name I pray, amen. As I said, we begin with the very word Advent, and we've, we've hijacked it for just around the Christmas season. In other words, Advent means that people were waiting for the Messiah to be born. Here's the thing that's already happened but yet we're still waiting. Now we're waiting for him to return. That's called the parusha. If you want to show off fancy theological words, you can tuck that one away and say, that's what we're waiting. We're waiting for the return of the king. And as we do, we see that uh, Advent kind of came around about 400 AD. Christians of earlier generations spoke of the advent of our Lord and his second advent. That's how they would define them. The first phrase, as I said, refers to God's becoming incarnate. Well, what, Mike, what do you mean? All through this Christmas season, we are going to slowly and intentionally, hopefully together, grasp and wrestle with the idea that God became flesh and lived among us, made his dwelling among us, defying expectations of all sorts, doing it completely different than human reasoning would want it to be done and doing it exactly right. And this morning, we're just going to look at one concept, that of managing expectations. The latter phrase then speaks of the fact that we are promised throughout the scriptures that Christ is coming back. We don't know the time and the hour, but when he does, it's going to be amazing. And for all those who've called on the name of the Lord, they have been set apart, and they will be enjoying the new heaven and the new earth together for all eternity. And so while we are in this period of already not yet, we're charged with how do we then live, as Francis Schaeffer asked. 
But for us, every Christmas season, we get around and we quote the same verses, Isaiah 9, Micah 5, Matthew 1, Luke 1, and we get very used to the story. So today, as AIC begins our Christmas celebration, I want to ask three questions. These kind of came out as I was reading through Micah this week. If if you're following our year-long Bible reading plan, you just finished Micah not too long ago. And that kind of struck me as being, wow, this is... This is so timely with where we're going. And the Lord kind of brought three questions to mind that I'd like us to ask. And the first one is this. What do you expect when you begin to think about Christmas and when you begin to connect that with the return of the king, uh, not the Tolkien version, the real version, our Messiah, what do you expect? We expect grand finales and wonderful things. But as we look closely at the story of Jesus Christ, he came not at all in a manner that was expected. Look at verse 2 of Micah 5. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Out of the smallest of the small, not even mentioned in most places as Bethlehem, other than known as the city of David. And really, that name didn't stick well until after Jesus was born. People knew it as the city of David, but it was sort of an afterthought. Four miles south of Jerusalem, a little village not too many people think of, place you don't go unless you have to, maybe kind of like where I live out in Saikung. You only go there for a visit and then you come back into the rest of the city. You know, that's kind of what Bethlehem was. Yet out of Bethlehem came the Messiah, the shepherd king. It's interesting that this is how this prophecy kind of takes root and that idea of out of the smallest of the small, will you be given a shepherd king? Will your ruler come? Will the one to save you come? God seems time and time again to work in ways that defy what we would expect. For instance, David is born, or sorry, Jesus is born in the line of David, right? Most of you remember that and remember that that's how a lot of this gets born. But there's a problem with how this works in normal kingship and lineage because the kings should come from the firstborn son of the line, right? That's how it's supposed to work. Was David the firstborn? No. Was he the second? No. You go down the list. He was the runt. He was me. I love that. Actually, I am the firstborn, but I've got an older sister and I am the runt. So I take great pride in knowing there's people like that, that God uses time and again. And so out of David, who was called a man after God's own heart, in a place like Bethlehem, a city that was an asterisk, God sent his son. But for the people of Samaria, this would have felt very weird because they couldn't see the big picture. They didn't see how it would all connect. We have 2,700 years of history between us and when this prophecy happened. They did not. Their picture was something much more like this. You ready? Watch quickly. And I want you to tell me everything that you see happens. You ready? Okay, we don't have audio. Did you get it? 
No, you want, here, let me do it one more time. 4.2 seconds. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Remember, small among the clans of Judah, not what we would expect, and of course now we're not working. Come on. Did you see everything? There's an explosion, right? That's all we see. Now, if you've already seen this video, please don't ruin it for those around you. If you know who OK Go is, great. You'll find out more. But that is essentially what people of Samaria, when Micah gave this prophecy, saw. They saw something's going to happen, but they didn't even realize how much they were missing. Anybody think they missed anything when they saw that? You think you do because you know Mike is leading up to something. Because you know me well enough to know that there's always a trick up my sleeve. So why don't we consider again, but you, O Bethlehem, small among the clans of Judah, out of you will explode something that you couldn't even possibly imagine. But here's the rub. Here's the thing that Isaiah tells us. Here's the thing that we find throughout the Old Testament that the people of Israel missed, that your king is going to be a servant that he will suffer, that he won't be the kind of king you expect. He'll be far greater, far bigger than just a simple explosion. He'll be something more along the lines of this. I'm going to pause it there. You can go back and watch the rest of the video. There's three more minutes of it. Out of this will come the certainty, a profound certainty that it will end. That one moment will become something so much greater. That's, that's lines from the song from a non-Christian group. But what you see there is out of one moment... Everything changed when you slowed it down and got to see it from a deep, deeper perspective. What do we expect when we come to Christmas season? What do I expect? Well, if you looked at our new church sign out front, I expect to be very busy as your pastor in the month of December. That's what I expect. A lot goes on in the life of a church in the month of December that we can forget to slow down and look back 
at what was promised. And what was promised? What was promised was there would be a king that would come from the place of all places of Bethlehem, smallest of the tribes, that would change everything. When we communicate Christmas to our children, when we communicate Christmas to our families, when we communicate Christmas to the world that lives around us, what are we teaching them about expectation? Are we teaching them to look upward and ask God to expand our horizons? Or are we thinking about what gifts we still have yet to give? Or if you're in my case, I haven't even started yet. Melissa's upstairs, so she doesn't need to know that. That's the thing. What do we expect when we think about this Advent season? All along, prophets like Micah, like Isaiah, were promising the people of Israel, hope is coming. Look back to the Father. He's got a plan. I don't know how long it took OKGO to figure out that they could do that in 4.2 seconds and then tell it all in a long music video. That staggers my mind, but somebody had a picture of what that could be. God has a picture of how things can be. And he put that plan in motion from the very moment of creation and has not stopped. And when humanity chose to sin, a plan was put into place to give us a Messiah. And as Israel was put in place as God's chosen people and they continued to walk away from the Lord, the plan was continued to be fleshed out exactly as God knew it would need to be to a redeemer that would come for all people. But what do we expect? We tend to think about what's right in front of us. And so this Advent season, I want you to think about the fact that Christmas might feel small or it might feel hurried or it might feel chaotic. And go back to the scripture and look, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times, who will save you, who will change everything. What do our expectations do to our attitudes? Do we look forward to the return of our king? Or do we get caught up in the ways of the day that we only can see the explosion, we don't see what God is writing of his story underneath the explosion? So my first invitation to the question this year is look deeper. Look into God's word. Read all through Micah. I have loved camping out in just two chapters of Micah, four and five, this week as I was home with the flu and I just read them over and over. And time and again, you see how God is putting the pieces in place, saying you might expect one thing, Samaria. You might think you can do it on your own, but I've got way bigger plans and his name is Jesus. But that's not all. The second question we then face is the question of what are we looking for? Who are we looking for? Because we can think a lot about all the different things that go into Christmas. And we know, as our community group was talking last night, and I asked, what's Christmas all about? And every kid in our community group could say Jesus. Good, they've got that much. But do they know the depth and the reason and the love that God has for us that would give his only begotten son that we might have life and have it to eternity? What do I mean? Well, listen to who God is sending us. 
Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, and he will stand and shepherd his flock. He's giving us a leader. Let that sink in for a minute. God was preparing to send a leader to his chosen people that would change everything and give light to all mankind, all who would believe on him. But that leader looked nothing like what we would think of a leader. My home country chose a leader that apparently looks like what they think a leader should look like. Whether I agree with his politics or not, he's my country's home leader. And I'm not going to make comments otherwise. But that's apparently our expectation of a leader. What I can say is Jesus came as a servant, wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger somewhere likely outside the village proper. And yet he would lead all of mankind back to God the Father through giving his very life that we might, by believing in him, know Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him called servant leadership. That's the, the fancy word for it. But what it comes down to is he led out of wanting to give us hope and light. But yet we look for people that are loud and dynamic at times. And we look for people that seem to have all the right type A qualities or this or that. And Jesus sat down with the woman on a, at the well and had a conversation and said, you'll never be thirsty again. Jesus looked at the people ready to stone the adultering woman and said, let you who is without sin throw the first stone. Led by example, he wouldn't throw it. And then he told her, go and sin no more. And he invited people to live differently. You see, the thing is, most of us can say Jesus Christ came to forgive us our sins and set us free. We get that, but he also showed us how to live while we're here on earth. He gave us a vocation that's to be looking different than the world around us. And our vocation is to glorify God by how we live in the world. We find ourselves as we believe in him and as he transforms us and while we await his return. And so who are we looking for? We're looking to the person of Jesus Christ, our ruler, the true Lord of our life. We talked about that a lot when we were in Peter earlier this year. And our shepherd. I know a lot of you know from being in church long enough what a shepherd essentially does, right? He cares for the sheep. He cares for the flock. He makes sure, you know, you've heard stories time and again of sheep are stupid and this and that. And so he makes sure they don't walk over cliffs. He makes sure they don't get themselves in trouble. He protects them from wolves. But if you say that we, the people, are the sheep... We get this picture of God that is so powerful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He helps me to, I've just lost it, lay down in green pastures. So what does our shepherd do just based on the basics of Psalm 23? He gives us rest, he gives us peace, and he gives us protection. And he delivers us. He delivers us from the valley of the shadow of death so that we will fear no evil. His rod that disciplines us, comforts us, knowing that he loves us enough to discipline us and bring us back to himself. You want to know about bringing us back? Come as we study Hosea starting in January. 
a people desperately in need of being brought back and God would repeatedly invite them back to himself. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because he loves those he disciplines. Our shepherd ruler is one who leads us to still calm waters where regardless of all the noise and chaos of the world around us, we can find rest in him. When it says at the end of this, he is our peace, he is our shalom. We are protected, we are guarded, and we are without conflict from the world. That doesn't mean conflict isn't happening. It means it's not dictating how we live because our king has already won. Our king has already conquered sin, has already conquered death, and has already been victorious over evil. So that when we see out of you that little small village of Bethlehem will come a ruler and a shepherd, we see that God is looking out for the people he loves, humanity. We know that Jesus was sent for all who would believe on him. Everyone has that opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ if they but hear the name of Jesus. That's why we spend an entire month called Missions Month, so that we remind us that our mandate never stops. We're never to stop telling people about Jesus Christ. We can't ever get away from that while we're still here. But at the same time, we must not lose sight of Jesus Christ coming down to earth as a shepherd to guard and to protect and to care for and lead his flock. And maybe that's where you find yourselves right now. You need to know that somebody cares. You need to know that somebody cares enough that they would do whatever it takes to restore you, to give you hope again, to give you a reason to get out of bed tomorrow morning, to give you strength to take that one more step, even though everybody says, don't bother, you're not good enough, you can't do it. God says, that we were created as his workmanship, his masterpieces, that we have new life in Christ because God became man and made his dwelling among us and became our great shepherd of the flock. So who do we look to at Christmas time? Not Santa. If you go all the way back, St. Nicholas was actually quite an amazing man. But we look higher than any iteration of Santa Claus you can think of, toward our shepherd king, the ruler that we say is Lord of our life. And I ask the question, have we invited him to rule every part of our life or just the parts we're comfortable with? That answers who we're looking for. That answers that. Because then, as we look first at what are we expecting and second we ask Who are we looking for? Then we get the final question of Advent. Are we ready? He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they, his people, will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be what? Our peace. Oh my goodness, does our world need peace now more than ever? It was interesting. I love my community group, not just because we're not really a small group anymore. On any given week, we can have about 40 if all the kids show up because our group keeps reproducing. 
biologically, uh, I should say, and also we keep bringing friends, but we have a lot of people in our group. But last night we were talking about making wise choices. And we began to assess the situation of the world we find ourselves living in. And it was interesting because we found some things that were quite unique because we had one person talking about the fact that they're from the Philippines and they're just hoping for stability in their land. We had another that said, well, we hope to believe that maybe America will be great again. We had another who could speak to the history that came with the massive change that's taken place in South Africa. And another that could speak dramatically to the reality that the UK is going through the Brexit. And all of these historical changes wrapped around the fact that we all currently live in Hong Kong and next year celebrates 20 years of our return to Chinese sovereignty and all the uncertainty that that might bring that nobody's quite sure of how that will coincide with the new chief executive that we could have next year. And around all of these different geopolitical states of just one round table of nine, how many adults were there last night? Mark's saying nine, we'll go with nine. We had all of these different scenarios. That's the world we find ourselves in. Everybody's hoping to be great again, to be stable, to find certainty, to find all this. And I want to tell you, we've already found it. He's right in front of us. We can live securely because God became man and made his dwelling among us. He is our Savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming King. And while we wait for him to return, our confidence is secure in who he is, the great shepherd of the sheep, the great King of all kings. Oh, I also forget to mention that we were talking about the the striving for peace that Colombia is currently seeking to find. And around one table, all of these themes were borne out. The world is looking for security. The world is looking for peace. But we keep trying to do it ourselves. So AIC, my church family, what's my role to you? My role is to point you to the scriptures and say, first, you personally can live securely in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Micah was giving a promise that wouldn't be fulfilled for 700 years. I live on the other side of history that says 2016-ish years ago, not, probably not actually that number, but around that, God became man and was born in Bethlehem. And he grew up, and 30 years later, ministered in three years like no one has ever done or ever will do again, showing us there's a right way to live, a better way to live, and a secure future that is found in him. We need a shepherd to guide us through these times. He gave us so much teaching in three years, And so much of that that goes beyond those three years to God's letter to us saying, this is what I have for you. Spend time in his word, preparing for his return, preparing for him to come back and restore all things. But as we wait, I have to ask, what do we expect? Do we just expect it to be all about us? 
kind of like what Samaria wrestled with. They named their own kings so that they could get what they wanted. And, and they didn't really have another king until Jesus came. And many of them still won't name him as king, as many of us won't do. What do we expect? Do we expect him to be Lord of every part of our lives, giving us the security and peace that only he can? Or do we just expect him to give us the blessings and the fire insurance of heaven? There is a massive difference. Who are we looking for? Are we looking for a shepherd or are we looking for a band-aid? There's a difference. The shepherd gives hope. The shepherd leads his people beside still water to a place of eternal rest and eternal worship of God, our Father who art in heaven. The band-aid says, Lord, just fix this, this, and this. I hope we look to our shepherd king and we invite him to rule over every part of, every part of our lives. And then finally, are we ready? And are we making the way secure for those around us? Are we taking every chance we get to tell people we can be secure? You can be secure in Jesus Christ. He's done it already. Regardless of how uncertain these times are, certainty is found in the person of Jesus. There's a better way to live. I was writing a letter last week and I couldn't think of how to finish the letter. And it was regarding some things going on in church life. And I said, we will always be about the greats at AIC. We will always be about the greats. In other words, the great commandment that says, we will love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we will love our neighbor as ourselves. And then we will go out and we will make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we will walk alongside people wherever they find themselves and however messy it might be because we want them to be ready for the return of the King. Advent has two parts. The celebration of the birth of our Savior and the expectant waiting on His return. My prayer today is that we would live in the wonderful tension of the already, Jesus has already come, and the not yet, that he's coming back. And that while we're here, we are loudly telling it on the mountain that God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He never forgets us. And he's leading us to peace that this world desperately needs. Are we showing others that peace? Do we have that peace in our hearts? If not, maybe today as we sing our final song, you need to pray and confess, Lord, I haven't lived in the peace that you offer. I haven't given you my life. I haven't trusted you with every aspect of life. Maybe you've got a friend that you know desperately needs to hear of Jesus Christ and needs to know somebody cares enough to tell them. Don't wait. Trust that the Lord will give you just the right words at just the right time. Because he loves us that much. That he's the one that came to save us and change our hearts. And we get to give that grace away freely. Because that's what he's given to us. What are we expecting? Who are we looking for? And are we ready?
I'm expecting great things as we await the return of our king. I know it will be difficult. Everything in the Bible tells me it's only going to get harder before he comes back. Don't misunderstand. But my peace and my hope are securely, firmly fastened on the rock of Christ Jesus on which I stand. And I know whom I have believed in, that he is able to do far more than I could ask or imagine. And I know that I'm ready to face whatever the world brings because my strength and my identity and my security are in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, my shepherd king. Let's pray. You came to earth as a baby. You lived as a carpenter and as a simple servant to show us a different way to live. Yet you are the greatest leader of all time. And you've shown us a way of humility and you've shown us a way of peace and security that are found only in you. So Lord, our lives are offered to you because we need you. We can't live without you. In your name I pray. Amen.